That's not fair. How many times, as Judy led us in our opening segment, how many times have you heard that, I wonder? As a parent, at a sporting contest, when you're cheering on your team and the umpire or the referee makes a decision that you... What does he think? What are they thinking? That's not fair. Or simply in conversations or observations as a part of life. In all likelihood, you've expressed it yourself or thought it too. You've not just heard someone else express it. I don't know about you, but when something doesn't seem fair, it can produce a stronger than usual response in me. Happened just the other day when someone cut me off in traffic. (laughs) That's not fair. Tempted to... On the horn. <laughs> Restrained myself. <laughs> but when something doesn't seem fair, at least for me, it can produce a stronger than usual response. So what's your response to what Jesus describes in this parable of the workers in the vineyard, I wonder? Is it that's not fair? Did you take in what was actually being described and read in the Bible reading? as you heard about workers who worked all day only getting the same amount as workers who only worked an hour. Now, from an economic uh, way of thinking or from a logical way of thinking, it isn't fair. But Jesus isn't trying to teach us economics. Jesus isn't trying to teach us about employer-employee relationship. Jesus isn't trying to uh, teach us about business, how to do business. He's teaching us about life in God's kingdom. So what stands out in this parable? Two things that I want to highlight this morning. To start with, what's good? The, uh, one thing stands out that's good and one stands out that's not so good. The first one, the good one we focus on. What stands out that's good is the generosity of God's grace. This parable takes me back Quite a few years. We're doing a lot of looking back this morning, aren't we? More than usual. But this takes me back to my study days at school and then university when you would do group projects as a part of your assessment. I think that I think they still happen. Don't know whether they do or not. The group projects still happen from time to time. Those who are studying at school or uni. Well, I wasn't a big fan of group projects. Why was I not a big fan of group projects? Because I recall at least one occasion when some in the group did most of the work, only for everyone in the group to get the same mark. parable that Jesus describes here is actually uh, telling us about a similar scenario. Some did more work than others, but they all received the same pay. They all received a denarius, as Stephen just read to you. And the the landowner in this parable represents God. And the workers represent the people that God seeks out to be a part of his kingdom. And what you see happening right through the parable with workers at the start of the day and then again at the third and the sixth and the ninth and even the eleventh hour out of a 12-hour day, and it was a 12-hour day harvesting in the vineyard, what, what, what's going on here speaks above all of the, about the generosity of God's grace. This landowner did not have to keep on over and over again inviting more workers into his vineyard. But he did. That's what God is like. Over and over again, inviting people to be a part of his kingdom. Going over and above in responding to people in an ongoing way with generous grace. So why is it that this parable can seem unfair though? 
It's because God's generous grace is actually counterintuitive to uh, the, the, the thinking in, in our world of an earning mindset or of someone gets what they deserve. The, the essence and the nature of, of, of grace is totally counterintuitive to that. In much of life in this world, an, er, an earning mindset is prevalent. In workplaces, in, in all kinds of situations, you have to work for something. And, you, and, and in general life, you, get, you should get what you deserve. But that kind of thinking is the very opposite of what characterizes life in God's kingdom. None of us can earn a place in God's kingdom. It's only the generosity of God's grace that allows us to be a part of God's kingdom. Ephesians, in in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, says it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. In other words, we can't earn our way into God's kingdom. It doesn't matter what we do. That's not going to. That's not what it's about when it comes to God's kingdom. And the and in this parable, the labors the laborers who came in at the different points in the day received not on the basis of what they've earned, not on the basis of what they deserve or what they've done to earn it, but they receive out of sheer generosity and grace. Even the landowner giving the, the first group of workers a denarius, the ones who, who worked the whole day, even giving them a denarius, was generous in and of itself. Might not seem so to you, but let me explain. The, a denarius was the equivalent of what a Roman soldier would be paid for a day's work. And that was well above the rate of, of for casual labourers in a vineyard, which is what is being described here. But the, but the, the generosity of the landowner, uh, uh, which represents God, is even more evident as we come to verse 9, when, when the, those who come in, he invites in at the last minute. In verse 9, the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Unbelievable. Those who only worked for an hour got given way, way more than they deserved. That's what God's grace is like. It's generous. It's something given to all without favour. None of us deserve it. No matter who we are, no matter how long we've been or not been a part of God's kingdom, it's not on our terms, but it's on God's. It's not based on who we are, it's not based on what we've done, but it's based on who God is and what God's done for us through Jesus. That's the good of this parable. Really good. But there's a not so good element to this parable as well. Alongside the good, generous grace of God, what do we see? We see a grumbling spirit arising. A grumbling spirit arising. Verses 11 to 15, what, what happens when they received it? The, the, those who, who were hired first expected to receive more, but they, they also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? This is a fascinating outworking of, uh, <laughs> in this parable of what can be true in human nature and of us too. 
What can cause a grumbling spirit to come to the surface in you or I, I wonder? Or the grumbleometer to rise? <laughs> We've been looking at the outreach, uh, the, the October outreach barometer. What about the grumbleometer? Is it a lack of sleep? Can that cause it to rise for you when you don't sleep? Is it a stressful situation? Is it a long wait in a queue in person or on the phone? <laughs> Is it an expectation not being met, perhaps? What lies behind the grumbling spirit evident in this parable, I wonder, as it became a case of sour grapes in the, win- in the vineyard? The vineyard, it, sour grapes in terms of the attitude of, of, of many of these workers in the vineyard for the workers who'd been there longer than the others. Well, a number of things lie behind this. A sense of comparison. They began to compare. They compared themselves and their situations to others. And they began to, to covet what others had, had been given instead of being grateful for what they'd been given. And it all came out of this spirit of comparison. And how easily, if we're not careful, we can compare too. We can compare ourselves with others. We can covet what someone else has been given by God. But when we do, we've lost sight of the grace of God sense of comparison but there's a sense of entitlement that's evident here too in the attitude of these first workers listen to it again in verse 12 those who were hired last worked only one hour they said and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day it's clear that they believed that they were entitled to more than they received we've been here longer After all we've done, we should be entitled to more than them. In God's kingdom, friends, there's no place for entitlement. Based on who we are, how long we've been following or serving Jesus or or based on anything else. We all stand on level ground before the cross of Jesus in God's kingdom. All sinners who God has reached out to with his grace. Whether God reached out to us with his grace long ago or whether God is reaching out to it now or more recently. No matter who we are or who we aren't. No matter what we bring to the table or don't bring to the table. No matter how messed up we are or how messed up we think we aren't. A sense of comparison. A sense of entitlement. But there's also a sense of self-interest here. If we're really honest, all too often... Our feelings of unfairness that can arise are centred around how something affects me, my expectations, my needs, or my sense of the world, and how things, uh, my sense of how things should be. All too often, if we're really honest, our, sense, our feelings of unfairness arise out of that as much, if not more, than anything else. We can see things through the lens of self-interest, just like these first workers did here. And that is quite the opposite of the nature of God's kingdom. But just like Jesus' first disciples, uh, we see that they they were slow to learn that. Uh, Just before and after this parable, in the chapter before, in Matthew chapter 19, Peter asked Jesus, what's in it for us, Jesus? We've given up a lot to follow you. Matthew 19, verse 27, Peter answered him, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And then even after this parable, in, the, in Matthew chapter 20, not long after it, some of the other disciples of Jesus, the sons of Zebedee, along with their mother, want the places of honour in Jesus' kingdom. 
at his right and left hand side. Self-interest, right at the heart of it. When, uh, when, when, the, when it, it describes what happens, what, what is it that you want, Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in, at, in your kingdom. Wow, Jesus has just told this parable. And, and that's what happens. So they're slow to learn that, that, uh, that, that this self-interest and comparison and, uh, a, a spi- the, the, and this sense of entitlement that can lead to, to a grumbling spirit can be so prevalent. It was there in those first disciples, and if we're not careful, it can be there in us too. So as we each take a look in the mirror of this parable, what do you see of yourself? What do I see of myself? You know, Jesus wasn't speaking to everyone else when he told this parable. He wasn't actually speaking to, 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 to crowds of, uh, of, of people who weren't following. He was speaking when he told this parable to his followers, his disciples. Are you seeing the generous grace? Are you seeing the generous nature of God's grace as fully as you could? And are you responding in the light of that? Or are you, like any of us so easily can if we're not careful, missing, seeing all that God has for us to see about his grace because of a sense of comparison or entitlement or self-interest, grumbling about what doesn't seem fair to us? God's kingdom is back the front. It's upside down, and it even can seem unfair in some ways to what seems logical to us. And yet that's the nature of grace, and that's the nature of life in God's kingdom. As, uh, the, as verses 15 and 16 says, don't, uh, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Are you, are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The upside down, back the front nature of God's kingdom. So I invite you as we close to join me in humbly and honestly coming before this generous and gracious God in prayer now. Just looking in the mirror in this parable. Asking God to continue to be at work in in our lives, deconstructing those things in us that don't reflect life in his kingdom and reconstructing those things that he calls us to as a part of life in his kingdom. Let's pray. Jesus, you are king and you are Lord. And we thank you for the picture that your word gives us of life in your kingdom. Life in your kingdom is, is, is not is so different to life in the, in the kingdom of this world. But we thank you for the way that you are as king and lord. You are generous in grace. You don't respond to us as we deserve, but you instead respond in remarkable ways. But we confess that easily we can, like your disciples long ago, miss the point, miss the mark. We can be slow to take in all that your grace means, not just for us, but for others. And we can not be immune from a grumbling spirit, comparing or a sense of entitlement or or self-interest. But today afresh, may we celebrate the nature of life in your kingdom, celebrate the nature of your grace, the generous God that you are. But alongside that, may we also be challenged by the nature of life in your kingdom and allow our lives to be shaped by it and to show and share that good news of grace in such a way that others 
see reflected in us, your, see reflected in our lives, you and your kingdom values. So God, may grace be at the centre of, uh, of, of our lives in such, in such a way that it reflects the remarkable grace of who you are and what you've done. And we ask this in and through the name of Jesus, our King and our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.